The Bible is like my Bible. It doesn't naturally open the Lamentations because it's not. It's a book we don't really study uh, too often. But uh, as I have had a chance to uh, to go through uh, this Old Testament book, and I pray as as you go through it, you'll see the blessing. Uh, that it is to us. This is a divinely inspired word of God. This is God's word to us. This, it's, it's almost like Ecclesiastes. It's one of those hard books to read. Uh, Ecclesiastes, remember that it talked about the, uh, the futility of life, and it went in depth about that. And Lamentations uh, goes in depth and, and helps us to see the, the consequences of sin. And how it impacts the soul of the children of God. You'll see it in a way that perhaps you haven't seen it before. And, and, and as we go through it and as we study it, you may see uh, something of the way you feel when you deal with sin. And this is what what Lamentations is all about. It's to help us is really it was written by Jeremiah to help the people of Israel mourn their sin, to mourn it properly and completely and wholly. Uh, and so I'm excited to start this series and I pray that and I thank you for your prayers. If you prayed uh, in preparation for this, God heard your prayer. So let's look at Lamentations chapter one and this Sunday, Lord's willing, and next Sunday we'll look at the first 11 verses and that's what we'll read here in our time but today we'll only deal with the first four verses so look with me at God's word how lonely sits the city that was full of people how like a widow has she become she who was great among the nations she who was a princess among the provinces, has become a slave. She weeps bitterly in the night with tears on her cheeks. Among all her lovers, she has none to comfort her. All her friends have dealt treacherously with her. They have become her enemies. Judah has gone into exile because of affliction and hard servitude, she dwells now among the nations, but finds no resting place. Her pursuers have all overtaken her in the midst of her distress. The rose to Zion mourn, for no one come to the festival. All her gates are desolate. Her priests groan. Her virgins have been afflicted, and she herself suffers bitterly. Her foes have become the head. Her enemies prosper because the Lord has afflicted her for the multitude of her transgressions. Her children have gone away, captives before the foe. From the daughter of Zion, all her majesty has departed. Her princes have become like deer that find no pasture. They fled without strength before the pursuer. Jerusalem remembers in the days of her affliction and wandering all the precious things that, was, that were hers from days of old. When her people fell into the hand of the foe and there was none to help her, her foes gloated over her. They mocked at her downfall. Jerusalem sinned grievously. Therefore, she became filthy. All who honored her despised her, for they have seen her nakedness. She herself groans and turns her face away. Her uncleanness was in, the skir in her skirts. She took no thought of her future. Therefore, her fall is terrible. She has no comforter. O oh Lord, behold my affliction. The enemy has triumphed. The enemy has stretched out his hands over all her precious things. For she has seen the nations enter her sanctuary 
those who you forbade to enter your congregation. All her people groan as they search for bread and they they trade their treasures for food to revive their strength. Look, O Lord, and see, for I am despised. May God bless his holy word. Calvin and his institutes on religion starts out that uh, wonderful treatise on the faith. He gives two truths about wisdom. He said that true wisdom, true wisdom starts with the knowledge of God and the knowledge of man, the knowledge of ourselves. That this this is what true wisdom, all true wisdom consists of these two realities. We must see God is great if we are truly wise. And that's why when we started this series, remember, we started with the psalm that pointed to the fact that the Lord reigns. This is where we start. We start with the reality that God is who he says he is, that he is all glorious, that he is majestic, that he is faithful and just in all that he does so that we will not make excuses. When we began to unfold, when the scripture unfolds, the reality of ourselves. And not only must we know that God is great, we must know ourselves. We must know that we are in a, a wretched condition apart from him. We we are so sinful. We're, we're so sinful. Uh, uh, the, uh, our natural bent, even as believers, is to ourselves. We, we tend to bend and, and look to ourselves more than we look to God. Calvin said that our hearts are like idol factories, constantly producing idols. We can take that which is good. We can take anything that is good and that God has given to us and turn it into an idol. And that's that 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 is a reflection of just how sinful we are apart from the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We easily replace Christ with other things. We 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 readily justify our sin. And remember that I said that sin is a is not a failure to behave. It's a failure to receive. That that is the nature of of, of our sin. Uh, when, When we sin is that we we fail to receive God as he has received him, as he has revealed himself in the scriptures. Sin is a failure to receive him and his blessings. Sin, in a sense, the reason sin is 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 so tragic to us as believers because sin promises us something better. It promises to give us something better than what God has given us. It 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 it, it deceives us into thinking that that there is happiness outside of God and and Christ. It, it promises to make us significant apart from our identity in Christ. But ultimately, sin never delivers on its promise. It never delivers what it promises us. Uh, Ultimately, what sin does is that it brings pain and misery into our lives. We we heard of that in Psalm 38, as Pastor Mark read, Psalm 38. And even in Psalm 32, uh, the psalmist says it this way. Psalm 32, verses three through four. He says, when I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groaning all the day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into drought of summer. Sheila. The, the psalmist is is is. is is reflected upon the, the 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 consequence or the devastation of of sin in his life. When I kept silent, my my bones grow old through my groaning all the day long. You can look happy on the outside, but if you're dealing with sin in your heart, you're gonna you're gonna be groaning. 
That's the reality. And we'll see that with the uh, uh, in this this visual illustration of limitations. And we'll, we'll come to understand as we study limitations, we'll come to understand and we'll get to see it. We'll get to sit on the, the front row uh, and, and see the, the true nature of sin and its consequences. We, we, limitations will will graphically picture the nature, the consequent consequences and the, the complete devastation of sin, of the sin of pursuing other things other than God. Sin, uh, uh, when we pursue things other than God, it only brings grief and loss and sorrow. Because God will never give us anything apart from himself. Limitations will force us to face the reality, not only that sin brings grief, loss, and sorrow, but it will force us to face the reality that God gets angry at sin. We shouldn't justify. God is angry when we sin. And, and, and it shows his, and, and limitation will show that God judges those who sin. And I know we are in Christ. And that was that's that reality makes Christ so precious because Christ bore the judgment that our sin was due. That was due to us. This is what we when we when we uh, celebrate and fellowship together and worship together around the Lord's table. That's what we're reminded of. We we are reminded of the devastation of our sin that it caused Christ his life. And it causes us to 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 take true uh, account of the reality of life apart to Christ and run to him and to look to him. That's what that's that's the reality that that we are to face when we see our sin as it is. And don't make excuse for it, but to see it as it really is, see ourselves as we really are. And that will cause us to 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 crawl to Christ, <laughs> to to get up and run to Christ. That's the proper response. The proper response is that first we acknowledge the reality that we are sinful and then we run to Christ. Let's get to the book of Lamentations. Basically, the book of Lamentations is, is a lament. It is a, a five uh uh poems it is a, in a sense it is, it is a funeral dirge uh it, it is a poem that is similar to those poems that is written at, uh for a funeral uh so it, it is a and 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 it's divinely inspired don't miss that fact you may quench and and as you read this and 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 draw oh man that's this this is God's word it's, the, it's a divinely inspired uh, acrostic poem uh, that is arranged a, according to the Hebrew alphabet. In chapters one and two, you, if you notice, chapters one and two, you'll see 22 verses. And each uh, uh, there's there's a, uh, a word that corresponds to each letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Uh, in, in, in those 22 verses. In chapter 3, there's a total of 66 verses. And this is a, a triple uh, acrostic. Uh, chapter 4 has 22 verses. And uh, where, once again, the Hebrew alphabet is used in chapter 5, there is no, uh, uh, it, it, it kind of uh, falls away from using the Hebrew alphabet. There is no acrostic in chapter 5. Uh, even though it has 22 verses, uh, it, 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 it is not, uh, similar to the, the first four chapters. And if you look at your, your, uh, outline, uh, if you have an opportunity to get the outline, go to the website, you'll see in the outline, I have put, uh, outside of, uh, you, you see, I, you know, kind of, uh, was able to put together uh, all the, the consequences of sin, starting with the, the letter D, uh, number one, deserted, number two, distressed, number three, difficulty, uh, number four, uh, dismal, 
you'll see outside of that, you'll see some words in parentheses. And these words are uh, the words that correspond to the letters of the Hebrew alphabet, according to, to Jack, Jack Scott. So hopefully that that is helpful to you as we go through and you see those words and, and remember that these words it's, it's like going A through Z. It's like taking every letter of the alphabet and taking uh, verse one, A, verse two, B, verse three, C. That's the way this is put together. And, and you say, why? Why has Jeremiah, the author, gone through uh, such uh, a strain to, to do this? Listen to uh, Walter Kaiser and uh, his explanation of why Jeremiah constructed Lamentation. And we can't see this, this structure in the, in the uh, English language. But listen to what Walter Kaiser said. He said, normally, the acrostic was used to aid in memorizing and retaining the content, sort of like Psalm 19. I mean, uh, Psalm 119, right? Corresponds to uh, the, the letters of the Hebrew alphabet. Normally, it was used to aid in memorizing and retaining the content and sequence of some written or oral material. But he says, but that will hardly prove to be the reason here. How could any Jew ever forget the loss and pain suffered in 587 B.C.? And that's just talking about the, uh, the fall of, of Judah and the destruction of Jerusalem. Rather, the purpose was to make sure that the grounds of the grief and suffering were worked through completely. No facet should be left out. Every detail of the human tragedy must be itemized and expressed completely, end quote. And so the goal of Jeremiah, Walter Kaiser says, is to give us a complete picture of the devastation of sin from the outside to the end. And that's what we'll see. It, 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 it is a uh, Jeremiah does not leave any stone unturned. He lays it out. He 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 is in a sense, uh, according to tradition, he is on a hill and he is look overlooking Jerusalem and he is writing uh, lamentations. Brad, uh, Brad, uh, Bradeth said this. He notes that the uh, not only does the acrostic, the way that this uh, this lament is structured. Uh, points to the fact of the complete uh, expression of sorrow. He says also uh, this poem does something else. He says they, it forces us to render uh, through, throughly to mourn. He, 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 he says that, that we must uh, uh, resist not mourning. When life is hard, he says, we don't want to face the hard questions as to why it might be hard in the first place. We just want to get on with life. And so we gloss over the situation or we make jokes about it or we put a positive spin on it. But the book of Lamentations won't let us do that. By using five individual acrostic poems, Jeremiah forces us to go over and over the painful story again and again. And this is what you'll see also. You'll see a repetition of, of the things that, that Jeremiah talks about. And once again, he, he is, is forcing us to face the reality of Israel uh, and, and the people of God mourning over their sin. But that's not it. And that's not the end. If you take Jeremiah and you draw a chart, Jeremiah, I mean, Lamentations, you draw a chart. Lamentations 1 and 2 goes like this. It starts up, and the apex is chapter 3. And we get to chapter 3, and then we go back down the slope again. Why is chapter 3 the apex? Well, in chapter 3, we're introduced to God whose faithfulness never fails. Uh, in, in chapter 3, and perhaps you remember, 
are familiar with these verses. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22 through 23. Matter of fact, turn over there. This is the apex of Lamentations. And, and remember that we are reading these verses in, uh, in the midst of the suffering of the nation uh, of, of Judah. Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 through 23. You see these familiar verses. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. Think about, think about what, is, what we're, what we're going to read. It's all doom and gloom. But Jeremiah doesn't, doesn't uh, leave us there. He takes us and he encourages us. Even in the midst of suffering, we're, we're, and, you know, it's almost, and that's why a lot of times you hear sermons from Lamentations. This is where they preach from. You don't hear sermons from anywhere else in Lamentations except for Lamentations 3. But you won't you won't appreciate Lamentations chapter three uh, until you go down into the depths. Until you go down into the dirt. Lamentations chapter three won't mean anything to you or it won't have the significant impact that it should have if you leave out all the rest. God is is merciful. He he never changes. He he we change. We we are unfaithful, but God remains faithful even when we sin. How glorious is that truth? And Jeremiah here points in Lamentation chapter three, he points to the mercy of God. Remember that they're they're suffering. And Jeremiah points to the mercy of God. And what does the mercy of God point to? That God has not given us what we deserve. <laughs> it could be worse. It could be worse. It, what is happening to, to, to the Jewish people, it could have been worse. And, and Jeremiah points to the mercy of God. Me and, and what is he doing? He's saying it, it, it's all about God. We deserve worse than what we receive, even when we're being disciplined for our sin. And so, as I continue on with this introduction, the author doesn't identify himself in Lamentation, but we, but tradition has that, and many scholars said as well that Jeremiah is the author, that he is the one who wrote Lamentations. And you have some who uh, try to say that perhaps it was some uh, religious person uh, outside of Jeremiah that, that wrote it, or perhaps there are, since there are five poems, that there are different individuals that wrote Lamentations. But uh, I believe that Jeremiah uh, wrote Lamentations, and our English Bibles hold to that, to that reality. That's why Lamentations follows Jeremiah's uh, Jeremiah's book. And the Hebrew Bible is different. Uh, it follows the, the, it's within the songs and, and, and the Psalms. But uh, Jeremiah, I believe, wrote Lamentations. And remember, uh, Jeremiah had preached for 40 years, and he had warned the people of the coming disaster. And that's why I believe Jeremiah wrote it, because Jeremiah, not only did he warn the people, but he was there when Jerusalem was destroyed. And who best to write about uh, the the uh, destruction of Jerusalem and to give a lament over it better than Jeremiah? Cause remember, Jeremiah was the weeping prophet. He 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 was weeping over and as he as he preached to the nation of Israel who scorned his preaching. They didn't listen to him. And and uh, they scorned him. And 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 as Jerusalem is destroyed, Jeremiah is writing this this lament. And Jeremiah didn't uh, come down hard upon the people when they when God 
brought about his judgment. He responded, this, this lament is uh, Jeremiah's response to the great sorrow that the people are experiencing. He responded with compassion. Jeremiah responded by giving the people uh, a, 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 these five poems to help them mourn their situation. That's what every pastor and and every uh in a sense every leader in the church should should do they should 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 have uh in uh in their understanding the uh, uh, a way of of helping the people of god lament uh their sin when they sin and that's what jeremiah does he 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 helps them with with compassion and understanding he he doesn't isolate himself from the people He's he's burdened. And, and and actually, Jeremiah, what he really wants is that the people turn to God, even in judgment. That is his desire. And once again, that, that should be the desire of every uh, man of God for the people of God. That they turn to God. And so now let's get to. Uh, lamentations. Look at the first verse. How lonely sits the city that was full of people. How like a widow has she become. She who was great among the nations. She who was a princess among the provinces has become a slave. What we see here in verse one, that sin will leave you deserted. Deserted. Jeremiah is establishing in this first verse, he is establishing the theme of lamentations. And what is the theme? The theme of lamentations is that there is a total reversal of fortunes for Judah and for Jerusalem. He contrasts that there was a time where in the past that Jerusalem was glorious and now in the present is humiliated. And notice that Jeremiah starts verse one with the word how. How this this word how here is is really not it's not a question. It it is it's a cry. It, it is a cry of distress. It, it is a a cry of in, intense anger and pain, and it it is a cry of bewilderment. And it's and it's like asking the question, uh, or in a, in a sense, responding like this: How can this be? How, why has 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 this this happened? It's it's a cry of distress over this the over what Jeremiah is is seeing uh, in Jerusalem when when the Babylonian army invaded Jerusalem was destroyed. And and you have to know what is the significance of Jerusalem. The significance of Jerusalem uh, was that the the temple in Jerusalem symbolized God's presence among His people. The, the temple in Jerusalem symbolized God's presence among His people, and and now it's gone. It's it's destroyed. The, the, everything that the people trusted in, it was gone. And, 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 and Jeremiah is reflecting upon this reality and he starts to delay. He's like, how? It, it, he's crying out in distress. How? Calvin noted, he said, the prophet could not sufficiently express the great greatness of the calamity except by expressing his astonishment. It was indeed a terrible thing. For as it was a place chosen for God to dwell in, as the city of Jerusalem was not only the royal throne of God, but also, as it were, his earthly sanctuary, the city might have been thought exempted from all danger, end quote. But here it is, everything that, that the, 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 the nation identified with is gone. It's like, let me help you visualize. It's like you are outside of Enid, Oklahoma. And somebody comes into Enid. 
and destroys everything. And as you are riding through Enid, you get to the church and the church is destroyed. How are you going to feel? That's what this is. This is in a sense, this Jeremiah is looking at and and everything that that the people cherish is gone. Their houses are gone. The people are gone in the exile. And Jeremiah is looking and said, and he is he, he is he is bewildered by what he sees. And he goes, look what he says. He says, how, how, how lonely, sister city that was full of people. The city that was full of people is now deserted. There's nobody moving through the streets. And Jeremiah would have recognized the, 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 the activity of, of Jerusalem and the activity of, of the, the festivals and, and the activity with, within the temple. Judgment, the judgment of God has made the great city of Jerusalem, which used to be crowded by people, desolate. Desolate. And then the prophet goes on and he, he speaks of Jerusalem like a widow. Look what he says. And I think speaking uh, as a widow intensifies the suffering. Look what he said. He says, how like a widow she has become. Jerusalem is like a widow without a husband to protect and look after her. The city is lonely and barren and, and, and no longer full of people. Jeremiah goes on and says, she who was great among the nations. Israel is God's chosen people. He, he loves them. They're his nation. And, 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 and now here it is. The great city of Jerusalem is empty. It's empty of people. She, she's, is no longer great and majestic as she was before. Turn, turn to Deuteronomy chapter four. Turn, turn to Deuteronomy chapter four. And all the curses that we will read about in Lamentation, if you want to read about Read about why these things are taking place. Read Deuteronomy 28, uh, chapter 28. And everything that we'll read about in Lamentations, you can find it in Deuteronomy chapter 28. But look at Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. It says, And what great nation is there that has statues and rules so righteous as all this law that I set before you today. Only take care and keep your soul diligently. At least you forget the things that your eyes have seen. At least they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and your children's children. The nation of Israel, this great nation, had the law of God. They, they, they had the law of God. They, they, they had the, the temple of God. They, they had the city of God. They had the worship of God. But they forgot. They turned away. And now they, the, the, uh, Jerusalem has become like a, a widow. And do in, in uh second in first Kings chapter four, verses twenty through twenty-one, it says Judah and Israel were as many as the as the sand by the sea. They and this is in the time of Solomon. They ate and drank and were happy. Solomon ruled over all the kingdoms from the Euphrates to the land of the Philistines to the to the border of Egypt. They brought tribute to Solomon. Uh, tribute and serve Solomon all the days of his of his life. This 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 is this is the nation of Israel. 
They, it was a great nation. At one time, people treated the nation of Israel with respect and honor. That's not the case here now. They have been, uh, uh, Jerusalem has been under siege, and now the Babylonians have come in and destroyed Jerusalem and taken the people captive. She, who was a prince among the provinces, has become a slave. Jeremiah writes, once Jerusalem was prominent and was considered to be great among the nations, she was like a, a princess full of power and authority ruling over her provinces. Now all her dignity and nobility are gone. And that's what sin does. It takes away all the dignity, all our nobility. The, the, the city is destroyed. And all the surviving in inhabitants are in captivity. Look at verse number two. Sin will bring about distress. Verse two, she weeps bitterly in the night. And tears on her cheeks. She, she is broken hearted over the current state of the city she she is alone and not only is she alone she is abandoned by her lovers and betrayed by her friends look what jeremiah goes on to say it says among all her lovers she has no one to comfort her <laughs> all her friends have dealt treacherously with her they have become her enemies and this is what happens when you make friends with the world, young people. You will find that uh, if you make friends with the world, they'll leave you. They'll desert you. And, 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 and look what Jeremiah says about these, these lovers and the friends and, uh, that Jeremiah is speaking about is the, the, the other nations, the, alliances that uh, Israel had made with the other nations and the, the lovers were, were the other gods of the nations that Israel worshipped rather than trusting in God, the true living God. Israel committed a spiritual adultery and went after the other gods of the other nations. And now in her time of need these idols don't comfort her. Her friends, worldly friends, don't comfort her. They're nowhere to be found. And actually, they come against her. <laughs> and, and this is what happens to everyone who trusts in man. And, and notice the, the, the word all. It says all her friends. And this word all in one form of another, all, every, any, whole, is used 36 times in lamentations and the reason it is used it is is to show the scope of the situation that 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 the scope of the situation is is complete all her there is no not one whenever you see the word all there is none to comfort her all have forsaken jerusalem and this is what sin does sin cuts us off from others and sin causes us to isolate ourselves from others And Israel, the, the people of God, had God as uh, her husband. And she turned her back on God, and now God has turned his back on her. Listen to Isaiah four, uh, 54, verse 5. For your maker is your husband. Talking about God. The Lord of hosts is his name. And the Holy One of Israel is your redeemer. The God of the whole earth. He is called the God of the whole earth is the husband of Israel. And yet Israel didn't find God to be enough. And now God is giving them what they want. You want to turn away from me? You want to go after other guys? You want to trust in other gods? You want to put your trust in other nations? I'm going to let you have what you want. My mama used to say that all the time. You know, sometimes God is going to give you what you want and you ain't going to like it. 
and that's what we see with with the nation, uh, with with uh, uh, Judah and with with Jerusalem. And when you pursue idols and friendships with the world, they're unreliable, and God will expose them so that you can see their their real nature. And this is actually a blessing for the nation of Israel to see the true reality of the relationships that that they have outside of God that you can't rely upon. Psalm 88 verse 18 says this of God, you have caused my beloved and my friend to shun me. My companions have become darkness. It is God who is is bringing this about. And when we walk in sin, it may seem like sin. When we're in sin, we may have many friends. But one day, those friends will be seen for what they really is. That relationship will be seen for what it is, temporal and shallow. They'll end up leaving. But this, in a sense, brings us to Christ. In Isaiah 53, chapter 3, it says that he was despised and rejected by men. Is not Israel, uh, uh, Judah. Uh, I keep saying Judah. Let me, let me clarify why I keep saying that. Israel, uh, the nation had broken off into two kingdoms, Israel and Judah. Israel has already gone into captivity. They've already gone in captivity. Judah, which we're talking about, which we're, which uh, Jeremiah is writing about in Lamentations, uh, before he written this, they had not gone in, uh, into captivity. They seen what happened to Israel. And then, because they didn't heed what had happened to Israel, God began to slowly bring about captivity uh, to Judah. There was three uh, times in which uh, Judah went into captivity, in which uh, uh, they were invaded and the, some of the people of Israel were taken off. And but so now we're reading about Judah, Judah, who didn't heed or pay attention to what happened to Israel. That's how hard hearted they were. They saw what happened to Israel when they were taken off into captivity because they didn't listen to God. They worshiped God. Now it is happening to Judah. And so Judah here in Jerusalem is with uh, Jerusalem is the capital of Judah. Has been rejected. And once again, this brings us to Christ in Isaiah 53 and three. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hid their faces, he was despised and esteemed him not this brings us to christ when 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 we are rejected by the world and by it it brings us to christ it helps us to identify with christ because he was despised and he was rejected even by us he's acquainted with the with sorrows and grief uh, of of our sin uh we we it brings us to christ Look at verse three. We see difficulty. Sin brings about difficulty in life. It, it sin never leaves us, lead us to rest in peace. Verse three, Judah has gone into exile, gone into captivity because of affliction and hard servitude. Jerusalem and, and uh, uh, Jerusalem, which is the capital of Judah, uh, both uh, are, are now. The, the people of the city are now captives of a foreign nation. They're serving, they're being afflicted, and they are in servitude. And these are affliction and servitude are terms that were used of Israel's surf, uh, suffering in Egypt. They were afflicted, and they were in servitude in Egypt. And now a similar thing is taking place again in the life of the nation. They're no longer free to serve God. If they are among 
the if they're taken captive and beaten and enslaved by by the Babylonians, the the people of Israel, God's people, are no longer free to serve God. They 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 are being afflicted in in their servitude. And Jeremiah writes, she dwells now among the nations, but find no resting place. Judah was once a, a proud of his position as God's chosen people. And now the only thing that God's people find is hardship and distress. They, they, are, they are scattered among the heathen nations, serving their enemies. Jeremiah goes on and says her pursuers have all, notice again, we're all overtaking her in the midst of her distress. Instead of God enabling others to help Jerusalem in her struggle, God has allowed her enemies to overtake her and to take advantage of her. And then later on, we'll see to, to take the spoils even out of the, out of the temple. And again, this brings us to Christ. Isaiah 53 and 4, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteem him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. It brings us to Christ again. Look at number, verse number four. Now here is a, a, a not only a reversal, the people didn't come to the, the the city is deserted. It was at one time full of people. Uh, Judah uh, was at one time uh, able to worship God and to serve God. Now they are uh, serving their enemies. And even here, uh, Jeremiah, it appears that the roads mourn. Look at verse four. The roads are the ways to Zion mourn. For none come to the festival. There, there is no one going to Jerusalem to worship. Zion is another name for Jerusalem. And, and it highlights the significance, the religious significance of Jerusalem. Jerusalem had plenty of religion. In the past, the roads to Zion had been busy. People were coming. There was uh, business being conducted. The city was, was, was bustling with people. Pilgrims was traveling to the festivals uh, to come there at, uh, three times a year to, to, to worship and to offer sacrifice. But now the roads mourn because there is none that are coming to the festival. There's none coming to worship. And look what Jeremiah said. All her gates are desolate. The gates of the temple are desolate. There's no one coming into the house of God to worship. No one is gathering or going in and out of the temple to worship, to offer sacrifice to God. There, there's no worship going on. There's no sacrifices being given. There's no festivals taking place in the city. All the public activities have ceased. Can you imagine that taking place? No, no worship. I mean, desolate. And like I say, just think of Enoch and, 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 and the enemies of the nation come through and just destroy Enoch and destroy the church and take everybody that is in Enoch captive. Jeremiah is, 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 is helping us to see and to feel and to, to experience the, the, the consequence. This is where sin takes you. Sin takes you here. It may be uncomfortable to read these things, but this is what sin does. It is not your friend. It doesn't lead you into happiness. And when God brings Discipline into your life to deal with that sin. It's not a happy thing. God is disciplining his people. Turn to Jeremiah chapter 7. And we're going to close. Jeremiah chapter 7.
and this in Jeremiah chapter seven, we'll see some of the evil that has taken place in in Judah. Jeremiah chapter seven, we'll go to verses one through eight, then we'll drop down to verse twenty two. Jeremiah chapter seven, starting at verse one. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Stand in the gate of the Lord's house and proclaim there this word. And say, hear the word of the Lord, all you men of Judah who enter these gates to worship the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, amend your ways and your deeds, and I will let you dwell in this place. You hear what God says? Jeremiah is in the temple warning the people. He's in the he's warning them. With the word of God. Amend your ways and your deeds and let your and I will let you dwell in this place. Do not trust in uh, do not trust in these deceptive words. This is the temple of the Lord. This is the temple of the Lord. This is the temple of the Lord. They're placing significance because they have the temple. They're okay. Things are good. For if you truly amend your ways and your deeds, if you truly execute justice, one with another, if you do not oppress the sojourner, the fatherless or the widow or shed innocent blood in this place. If, and if you do not go after other gods to your harm, then I will let you dwell in this place, in the land that I gave of old to your fathers forever. Behold, you trust in deceptive words to no avail. Drop down to verse 22. For in the day that I bought you, I bought them out of the land of Egypt, I did not speak to your fathers or command them concerning burnt offerings and sacrifice. But this command I gave, uh, but this command I gave them, obey my voice and I will be your God and you shall be my people and walk in all the way that I commanded you that it may be well with you. Drop down to verse 29. Cut off your hair and cast it away. Raise a lamentation and bear on the bare heights for the Lord has rejected and forsaken the generation of his wrath. The people didn't listen. They didn't heed the voice of God through the prophet Jeremiah in the house of God. And now, look what back in Lamentations, chapter four, chapter four. Not only the, the rose to Zion mourn, for none come to the festival, all her gates are desolate. God has caused this. Not only that, her priests grown. In the past, the priests would have been busy taking care of the temple sacrifices. Now, there are no people offering sacrifices. The temple has been destroyed and the priest grown. And, it's, and Jeremiah says her virgins have been afflicted. Perhaps these young girls that he's, that he's talking about uh, had some role in worship. And Jeremiah says, and she suffers, she, uh, she herself suffers bitterly. It's not pretty for Judah. It's not pretty for Jerusalem. She is no longer desirable. She is no longer worshiping. She didn't believe the Lord's report through the prophet Jeremiah. But this too brings us to Christ as well. Isaiah 53 verses 1 and 2. Who has believed? Who has believed what he has heard from us? To whom has the Lord, the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a plant and like a root out of the dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. Lamentations points us to Christ in a poetic way. It points us. Everything that we see with the with the nation and that they're experiencing, ultimately Christ experienced it for us. 
He experienced it. He experienced the ugliness of our sin because of God's glory. It's all about God. We tend to make the love of God about us. This is a picture of the devastation of sin, not just with Judah and Jerusalem. This also is a reflection of sin in our life, what it does with us. If we were laid out bare and naked, our hearts were open before God outside of Jesus Christ. This would be us. But thank God that in Christ. We're beautiful. We've been clothed with the righteousness of of Christ, his righteousness. I'm glad that that I was able to take off my dirty, filthy rags and put on the righteousness of Christ. And, and, and again, to, to appreciate Christ, uh, in order for the, the people to appreciate the, the mercy of God given to us in Christ, Jeremiah is painting this picture. He, 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 he is, this is, he, he is helping them to, uh, this is the, your state. And that again points us to Jesus Christ. We, we, we don't like you. This is the worst thing that could ever happen to a nation. The worst thing that can happen to a nation. It happened to to Israel. It happened to to Judah. This is the worst thing that could happen. But this is the consequence of sin. Sin brings devastation. It destroys everything. And lamentation brings this reality to this reality to light in a limited way. It, it we can't gloss over this reality. We have as we read this, we have to think deeply about these. What we're reading here is a poetic expression of the suffering of true people, true people who have suffered for sin. And Jeremiah, he doesn't sugarcoat it. He paints a drastic picture of sin. But this drives us to Christ. Because in Christ, we have forgiveness. In Christ, we have reconciliation. In Christ, we have healing, true healing, spiritual healing. We won't appreciate Christ until we see that our lives in burning ashes before a holy God. And I pray that as we go through lamentations, you'll see uh, in some way uh, the blessing of having our sins covered, having our sins dealt with in Christ. Amen. Let us pray. Father, it, it is not something that we like to look at. We don't like to look at the reality of sin in our lives, even as believers. Those who have been, who those who have experienced a great salvation in Christ Jesus. Those who have been taken from the kingdom of darkness and placed into the kingdom of your son who has been delivered and redeemed father and yet we still find ourselves sinning time and time again father help us to hate sin help us to come to to always remember the true consequences of sin and when we're tempted to, to turn away and walk with the world. Help us to remember that the world hates us. Because they hate you. They reject you. And it doesn't matter what sphere of the world we're talking about. If it's of the world, the world hates you. They hate us no matter how much they try to make friends with us. Help us to remember that reality.
and not be drawn away to go after the things of the world and make friends with the world. Help us because of the true nature of sin to see the state of the world around us. That is, in, in a spiritual sense, devastated by sin. Lives every day are being destroyed by sin. Families are being destroyed by sin. Men and women, boys and girls, the sin of homosexuality, the sin of the, the love of money and, and things, the sin of love of self, the sin of pride and all the sin is destroying the world around us. Father, as we walk through this world, help us to remember as we go through lamentations. This is the state of the world spiritually. They have rejected you and you have rejected them. And may we go with that understanding and understand the necessity of taking the gospel to the world. The people we work with every day, the people we are in school with every day. The, our family and our friends who don't know you. This is their true state before you. They're desolate. They're deserted. They're experiencing difficulty. They're living dismal lives, even though they can have smiles on their face. Help us, Father, through lamentations to help them, to bring them the gospel. And may lamentation keep us from turning to the world. For the sake of Jesus Christ, it's in his name I pray. Amen.